I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Today, Cy, only about 30. Now, quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Live. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat. That is Donald Trump with a message of unity that an awful lot of Americans didn't hear. And why? Because much of the cable news media decided we're not going to carry anything that he says, even though he is the big winner in the state of Iowa in the caucuses held last night. Glad to be with you and always glad to take your calls. I want to talk about what happened in Iowa and what's likely to happen going forward. And we'll get your phone calls and emails in there, too. Welcome to the Lars Larson Show for a Tuesday. If you want to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the list at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. That's easy to remember. And our poll on X, used to be called the Twitter poll, should Facebook face prosecution for running human trafficking ads for Mexican coyotes? Now, this is, you, this is as bad as it gets. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, Zuckerberg and Facebook or Meta, if you want to call it Meta or Meta these days, they're about evil personified because social media will tell you all day long and twice on Sunday why we're trying to stop pornography. We're trying to stop drug dealing on our social media. We're trying to stop everything. Except the one thing that it sounds like they're not trying to stop, not one little bit, is Mexican drug cartels and the coyotes who work with them. Coyote is a slang term that means the people who will try to get illegal aliens across the border from Mexico, no matter where they originated. They often originated 140 other countries, but get them across the Mexican border into the United States. And how do those coyotes find their clients? Well, it turns out they place ads that say that on Facebook, 
three tries to get to the United States for $10,000. Now, do you think that even a guy like Mark Zuckerberg could figure out a way to spot that with an algorithm and say, we're not going to allow you to advertise coyote services on Facebook no, they'll stop everything else in the world, but human trafficking, apparently Zuckerberg is not exactly opposed to it, and he's perfectly willing to make money and take money for the ads advertising to illegal aliens who want Mexican drug cartel coyotes to get them across the border. So, I'll ask you the question this way. Should Facebook fa face prosecution for running human trafficking ads for Mexican coyotes? As you know, it's a federal crime in the United States to aid or abet somebody in violating America's immigration laws. And it sounds like Zuckerberg's doing that on steroids. So, find the question, the poll on X, at Lars Larson Show. You can also find it on my website at LarsLarson.com. But let's talk about Iowa. First of all, weather, like weather hit most of the rest of America, weather and snow, and they said more snow dumped on Des Moines, Iowa in five days than had happened since 1941. Apparently that global warming thing is still going on because they got hit hard with snow. And it took down the turnout in last night's Republican caucuses pretty dramatically. If you go back to the last presidential election cycle, about 180,000 people showed up for the caucuses. Last night, 110,000. So they cut the number by about one-third. But get this. Donald Trump finished up with 51% of the vote. 51%. Nice, solid win. A good-sized majority. And where was Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSantis wants the great hope of establishment Republicans because he'll be able to beat Trump. He finished up as a distant second, 30 points behind at 21%. And Nikki Haley was about two points behind him. Vivek Ramaswamy, who you've heard on this program, he came in fourth, after which he promptly dropped out of the race, but has endorsed Donald Trump. And then, of course, you had Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas. He's decided to suspend his campaign as well. And what about Nikki Haley? Well, Nikki Haley comes in third, uh, second close to Ron DeSantis, except now she heads off to New Hampshire. And New Hampshire, uh, a primary vote? Well, the polls there say that Trump doesn't have the kind of support he had in Iowa. I mean, in Iowa, he had 60 or 70 percent in the polls. In New Hampshire, he only, I say only, has 40 percent or so support, which still puts him light years ahead of both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, except if you thought DeSantis was bad yesterday or last night at 21 percent in Iowa, or sorry, in New Hampshire, he has somewhere between 7 and 9 percent, which starts to raise the question, do you think Ron DeSantis will be in the race at all after New Hampshire? I think a lot of that has to do with political money. You realize that DeSantis has spent over $100 million getting to this point, and he started in the 30% range. He's now at 21%. Some of the polls have him in the teens and barely ahead of Nikki Haley, and so it doesn't look good for Ron DeSantis. So we see where it goes from there. But it is amazing that in, in Donald Trump's 30-point victory is the single largest in the history of the Iowa caucuses bar none. Uh, Bob Dole, I think, finished 12 points ahead of his competition, ended up with the nomination, didn't win. And uh, you know, at the time, after Bob Dole was done running, I thought he was he sounded more brilliant after he stopped being a candidate than when he was a candidate. I like the guy, but he had his flaws, and he, in the end, he didn't get the result. But this is amazing. 
The polls had showed Donald Trump, if you averaged all of them, at about 44%. What did he get? He got 51%. Uh, Nikki Haley at 29%. She finished out about 10 points behind that. I'll tell you what, in New Hampshire, it looks like DeSantis is really going to find out whether or not he has a presidential campaign uh, at all anymore because that was not a great finish for him last night, and New Hampshire promises to be his Donnybrook. But what's happening now? The mainstream media, and I'll have some thoughts on this in the commentary, the mainstream media has decided they will do anything they possibly can to destroy Donald Trump. And first, by simply ignoring it. And that's, I really think, the most amazing thing. That if you're an American who wants to follow the presidential race this year, and you've got a chunk of the media, not all of them, but many of the legacy mainstream media who've decided the best way to deal with Donald Trump, even if he's winning, is we won't talk about the winner. Now, there were literally some cable news anchors last night who would talk about Iowa, talk about the first place finisher, and never actually mention the name of Donald John Trump. Now, this is amazing. The idea that somehow, if we don't say his name, it's like one of those crazy movies where you can't say the name of the bad guy. You know, the, the mean tweeter with orange hair. Do you think that's going to work out well for the American public? or for uh, the mainstream media, because they're in trouble as well. If you think uh, Joe Biden's poll ratings are low, the mainstream media is not doing very well at all. In any case, just to tell you where we got to last night, I'm very happy with the result, and I have a feeling after New Hampshire, I'm going to love the result, because Donald Trump is going to come in in first place, and Nikki Haley may do a little bit better, and uh, with Vivek, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy out of the race, perhaps Ron DeSantis picks up a little bit, so does Nikki Haley. But we all know what's going to happen this summer. Donald Trump is going to get the nomination, and he's going to win in November. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our poll on X, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Be honest. You're listening because you like what you hear. Right? Lars Larson. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of nonsense. Right. You're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? 
nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Hey, legacy news media, the political candidate you hate the most just won bigly in America's first presidential contest in Iowa. Where are you going to go next? Scare tactics and outright censorship. That's where Donald Trump takes more than 50% of the votes in Iowa, 30% more than number two. Cable News ran every minute of the speeches by Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. But not the words of the winner. It's literally true. Rachel Maddow explained and told her audience why they did that. There is a cost to us as a news organization, she said, of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. So his remarks tonight will not air here live. Wow, she must be a psychic. Maddow claims to know what Trump is going to say before he's even said it. And she knows that it's a lie before he even speaks. That's amazing. Over at CNN, Jake Tapper explained that he cut away from Donald Trump's remarks on the disastrous Joe Biden border policy because it was anti-immigrant. Actually, I don't think Donald Trump's anything like anti-immigrant. Apparently, the folks aren't worried about 10 million illegal aliens flooding into America in just the last three years under Joe Biden. If that's anti-immigrant, no, it's anti-illegal alien. I certainly hope that American voters are ready for 2024, where the news media decides what you're allowed to hear. Elections officials decide who you're allowed to vote for, and the deep state bureaucracy conspires openly against the inevitable election of a great American president. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I'm going to give today's Daily Grill to the legacy news media, all of them that did this, for ignoring the major candidate for president of the United States of America. When I was a reporter, I would hear things all the time that I thought, well, I don't think that's true. And you know, as a reporter, if you hear something that you think is a big fat lie, do you know what you're free to do? Well, I'll tell you what you're not free to do. You're not free to throw your own opinion into it and say, I'm opining that that's a lie. You are allowed to go out and find other critics of that person's position and quote them as to what they say. But you don't get to decide on your own say-so what's a lie and what's not. But that's exactly what MSNBC, CNN, and other legacy media have done. That's why they get today's Daily Grill. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's always right here at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we're going to put you first in line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And uh, i got to tell you this, Stephen writes in, Lars, very long-time listener here. I just had to let you know something I heard on your station. A couple of announcers were talking about the situation with power outages here in the Pacific Northwest. One lady said she'd been without power for more than 30 hours. Another one's elderly father-in-law still doesn't have power. And I've talked to some friends of mine today who don't have power. Guess how they all survived? The lady used a wood-burning fireplace, and the elderly gentleman used his gas stove just to survive. Huh. But aren't those the very items they want to ban from our homes here in the Northwest? Liberal nonsense on full display in our own community. Have a great day. Signed, Stephen F. 
Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And our poll on X, should Facebook face prosecution for running human trafficking ads for Mexican coyotes? I don't think there's a good excuse. I'd be glad to talk to some of our technology experts and say, is there a reason that they can spot child pornography, regular pornography? They can spot other kinds of illicit ads for drugs and things like that, but they're incapable of detecting ads that offer um, three tries to get to the United States for $10,000. Uh, that's the offer of Mexican coyotes on Facebook. And apparently Facebook is perfectly okay with it. I mean, maybe Mark Zuckerberg needs human trafficking. He has to have somebody mow his lawn, after all. Uh, and, and you can imagine other nefarious things he's involved in as well. The poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now, yesterday, I told you the story that we've just found out for the last 10 years... The person who is the foreign national, a foreign citizen, who in America owns the greatest amount of land in America. And it was purchased 10 years ago and stayed largely under the radar. 200,000 acres in the state of Oregon owned by a Chinese national who's actually also a member of the Chinese Communist Party and apparently has held influential positions in the Chinese uh, Communist Party. Should we forbid land purchases by citizens of countries that will not let Americans buy land in their countries? I said yes to that question. 97% of you join me. Only 3% of you said no. Find the X poll at Lars Larson Show on X. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. And now in Washington State, another effort to deny the voters the choice of Donald Trump. That's right. We've got lawsuits in virtually every state in America that have said, take Donald Trump off the ballot. Colorado has already done it. Maine has already done it. Uh, more than a dozen other states are considering that. And now a Kitsap County judge is hearing a challenge today to remove former President Trump from Washington State's primary ballot. That's coming up in March. The affidavit signed by eight residents of Kitsap County uh, and this is from our friends at Como News, contest Trump's eligibility for the ballot based on an interpretation of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution that cites engagement in an insurrection. Of course, they're talking about January 6, 2021, and they're saying that on that basis, this judge is being asked to remove Donald Trump from the Washington primary ballot in March. Uh, Robert Brem, who is one of the eight, and I would love to talk to some of these people, uh, I've reached out. I want to see if we can get some of them to come on this program on the Radio Northwest Network and talk about this. Robert Drem, Brem is quoted as saying, democracy can only work if citizens are willing to take action and responsibility. Anyone who is in objection to our position will have their say. Well, I won't be in Kitsap County Court today. And the judge will make some sort of decision. As registered voters of the state of Washington and under the RCWs of election provisions, we request Donald Trump's name be removed from both primary and election ballots, meaning the general election. The hearing set for this morning in Kitsap County. And I've told you what my objection to this is. I know that some of you think that Donald Trump's a terrible person. You're entitled to your opinion, no matter how foolish it is. But some of you also think that he's guilty of insurrection. And I keep pointing out the obvious objection. 
Number one, Donald Trump has never been indicted for the crime of insurrection. And the only time he's been generically accused of it was when in the second in, uh, uh, impeachment of Donald Trump, he was accused in that impeachment of insurrection. It's not a criminal case. It's an impeachment of a federal official. And he was acquitted of the charge by the United States Senate. Then you have uh, the question, well, did the Biden FBI determine that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection? The answer is no, the Biden FBI did not, nor did the Biden DOJ. And yet this Kitsap County judge, depending on politics, might just keep Donald Trump's name on the ballot or throw it off. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about the latest on Oregon's ballot measure 114, still on hold with a court decision. The Lars Larson Show. Simply by listening, you're proving how smart you really are. Lars thanks you. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Tuesday, and we're watching the weather as well. This afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow morning are going to be awfully tough in many parts of the Northwest because as the melt begins, it's going to get a whole lot slicker than it has been the last couple of days. Bad enough to have packed snow and some ice on the ground. Now you're going to have packed snow, ice, and mix in a little bit of water, and all of a sudden things get very, very interesting. So be very, very careful out there. And I hope that some of you who are still without power this morning morning, having lost it about three days ago, are going to get some relief from the utility companies, but that's if they're not too busy with windmills and solar panels. I want to talk to our friend Kevin Sterrett from the Oregon Firearms Federation about the current status of Measure 114. Kevin, welcome back and Happy New Year. Thank you, Lars. Thank you. So tell me this, uh, can we breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because we say, well, the judge in Harney County has made uh, uh, the temporary injunction permanent now in Measure 114. It was voted in, <laughs> hard to believe it, but voted in in 2022. Uh, it was not in force in all of the rest of that year, all of 2023, and now 2024. Yeah, do we, do, can we breathe a sigh of relief at this point? Absolutely not. I mean, this is the state is still working overtime to make sure this goes into effect. They've already spent millions and millions of your dollars to completely eliminate gun rights in the state of Oregon, and they've made it clear that they are not finished. So they will be appealing this. I, they may, may have already filed the appeal. And, of course, as you know, once this goes to the appeals court, where does Judge Jim Egan sit? on the appeals court, and it was Judge Jim Egan who said that all gun owners are racist, white supremacists, anti-Semites. So relaxing is definitely not in order for this measure. If he's already taken that position, is there any way to get, a, a, in a court of appeals case, to get somebody conflicted out? Because, Kevin, over the years, one of the most common com comments I got from judges is I'd ask them about something, and they'd say, well, I can't. I can't take a position on that one way or the other, whatever the subject was. And it was a lot of different subjects, because if I do, I'll be conflicted out of any case that involves that. If he's admitted his open and, and unabashed bias against all gun owners, isn't he conflicted out of hearing a case on that subject? Yeah, theoretically, there's ways to do it, but I wouldn't call this bias. I mean, all judges are biased because they're humans and they have opinions. This is hatred. This is just a vicious, white-hot hatred of people, and that should disqualify him. And, yes, theoretically, it's possible to have him not hear the case, and I think typically not all judges on the appeals court hear all cases. But whether that will happen or not is really up to them. And I know that many, many complaints were filed against him because clearly that kind of 
conduct, and I'm not exaggerating this, his comments, his word-for-word comments are available on our website. All the, all the complaints that were made were all dismissed. You know, a judge can say that half the country are racist anti-Semites and still be allowed to sit on the court with absolutely, you know, there's no accountability at all. So that makes me very nervous. And the fact that the state has unlimited funds to shut down every gun transaction in the state. And in fact, Measure 114 has largely actually gone into effect even with the injunction because there are distributors all across the country who will not send stuff into Oregon, fearful that if 114 goes into effect, they'll be liable for whatever they shipped while it was not into effect because the state's position is that if you purchased anything after the thing was voted in, and remember, Fagan, our disgraced former Secretary of State, declared it passed before the votes were even counted. And their position is is that if you bought anything after that thing was voted in, they'll be able to prosecute you even though the measure's been enjoyed. So so they're actually saying this is going to have a retroactive effect, even though the law never was in effect at that time, and you bought a gun during a time when the law was not in effect, that it'll it'll snap back like a rubber band and everybody caught in the last year and a half? is going yeah. to be not, subject to prosecution. Not so much guns, not so much guns, but magazines. The magazines, you know, all virtually all magazines are banned. And on top of the fact that the state is threatening to prosecute people who bought things that were legal while they bought it, the distributors are afraid to send anything here. So purchasing magazines has become quite a challenge, and purchasing certain firearms has become a challenge because they typically ship with conventional or standard capacity magazines. And now they're saying if you buy one, we're not shipping the magazines at all. And, of course, you know, it's the position of not only the federal judge but the state of Oregon that, you know, Americans, Oregonians should not be allowed to have firearms, ammunition, feeding magazines because they're so dangerous. But, of course, every crackpot, mass killer and criminal has open access to them because there's millions in circulation. And all I had to do was take the short drive to Idaho to buy as many as they want with no restrictions whatsoever. Now, tell me this, uh, Kevin, do you think, that the injunction is going to, st- I mean, this will go to the Court of Appeals. I think you and I both suspect the Court of Appeals is so screaming liberal that they'll go ahead and say, we're going to take off the injunction. We'll put it into effect, but it'll be appealed to the Oregon Supreme Court by the folks who oppose Measure 114, including me. Uh, when it does that, will we be able to keep the injunction in place and keep the law on hold until the Oregon Supreme Court hears it? Lars, I have no idea what the courts will do. I try to never make predictions about that because I'm wrong 60% of the time. You know, there's just no way of knowing. I mean, I sat in on the appeals court hearing after Mike Strickland was railroaded by the state, and he was, you know, clearly unequivocally railroaded, and the appeals court said, we don't give a damn, you know. It stands. So who knows? I mean, look, our own U.S. Supreme Court refuses to hear the case of Derek Chauvin, who obviously was framed, who didn't murder anyone. So, you know, who knows what the courts will do? There's just no way of knowing, and that means you have no choice but to go in there and fight every chance you get, which is, you know, I hate having battles in court. This particular battle is being funded by GOA. The federal battle was one that we were funding. But there's no choice. I'd rather have my fights in the legislature, but we're at the point now where, you know, there's nothing will be gained in the Oregon legislature because the Republicans completely caved, rolled over, and surrendered to every fight, which means that all our battles are being important. It's just about money and paying lawyers. And, and what happens if the Oregon Court of Appeals allows the law to go into effect, and then subsequent to that, months or a year later, the Oregon Supreme Court says, no, they were wrong and overturns them? How do you unwind that one? 
You can't. You can't. Keep in mind that what this will do is completely eliminate the sale of firearms in, in Oregon. It'll be impossible to lawfully purchase a gun. So what happens to all the businesses who, who you know, firearms dealers, they're gone, they're shut down. Yep. And, you know, the, the single mom who has a stalker in a rural place who says, I need to, to protect myself because there's no cops. And the local police say, well, we're sorry, but we're prohibited by law from issuing a permit to you. You know, so it is the, the potential. Nor, nor and by the way, Kevin, I, I know sometimes you and I forget to mention this, but for the people listening to this who aren't, who haven't been following this closely, that young mom who, who say has split up with a bad boyfriend or whatever, can't go to any friend or most family members and say, can you loan me a gun so that I can have a gun in my home so that this guy won't come in and hurt or kill me? And, and they aren't allowed to, to do those transfers either, are they? That's correct. They're not allowed to either unless they can prove that there's a life-threatening issue going on. And who wants to be put in that position? You know, the, the state, the, the Democrats with the willing, you know, capitulation of the Republicans have stripped people of their right to protect themselves, all, you know, all because we want to defend minorities, right? We want to take care of women as long as we can provide shelters for them at taxpayer expense. But God forbid they protect themselves. We're going to make that a crime. And, and, you know, the, the Marxist agenda in Oregon has been enormously successful. This is not an aptitude. This was the plan from the beginning. And Oregonians are very much at risk now, particularly people who haven't purchased something already. And if you try to purchase something now, you could find yourself waiting for two years for the state police to approve an instant purchase. Unbelievable. Kevin, that's why I haven't bought any guns recently, but I think I already have a few. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate what the Oregon Firearms Federation does. OFF deserves our support. Thank you so much, for, and I appreciate the time. Thank you, Lars. Take care. You bet. That's Kevin Starrett from the Oregon Firearms Federation. Coming up in a moment, we'll get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Our parody guy, Jim Gossett, has an offering. We've got a great question about closing down freeways because of a storm that might happen. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Just think of him as your concealed carry. This is the Lars Larson Show. D. Santa's got beat. Beat like a drum. 
staying in the race would be really dumb. Spent lots of money, but we're still steamrolled. Trump's the nominee. The story's been told. You spend 35 million, and what do you get? Deeper in the hole and more in debt. Ron, you should drop out while you still can. You know that Donald Trump is the man. Nikki Haley came in a distant third. You think by now she would have got the word. The message, Nikki, was crystal clear. 2024 simply isn't your year. You spend 37 million, and what do you get? About 5 million per delegate. Quit the race, Nikki. It's clear to see. You sold your soul. You're another rhino. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's Tuesday, a snowy Tuesday in the Pacific Northwest with apparently freezing rain on the way this afternoon. So watch out for that. I have a feeling an awful lot of people are staying home today and staying off the roads at least toward the afternoon when it's supposed to get a little bit on the dicey side. And then overnight. We're supposed to go all the way from the 30s, low, uh, high 20s, low 30s, into the 40s, and it's going to melt off, and we go back to traditional northwest winter weather, which is cold and wet. Glad to be with you on a Tuesday. If you want to join the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we put you first at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And our... Poll on X, should Facebook face prosecution for running human trafficking ads for Mexican coyotes making money? Now, it turns out that Friday, the guy who usually, who really deserves the credit is a guy I admire a lot, uh, former United States National Intelligence Director Richard Grinnell, who found out that Facebook is not stopping Guatemalan coyotes from advertising their services to bring illegal aliens into the United States. Ads that read like this, three tries to get to the United States for $10,000. And it turns out that uh, Joe Biden and uh, Mark Zuckerberg don't care that Facebook is willing to run those ads. And I think that's out of line. Federal law makes it a crime. If I went out and aided or abetted somebody in entering this country illegally. Say I drove up to Blaine, and then I drove across the border into Canada, and say I picked somebody up in my car and said, hey, you want to get into the United States? Jump in my car. I'll just tell them you're a friend of mine, and we'll drive right back across. Chances are they won't even check at the border. If I did that, that is a federal crime. That's aiding and abetting the violation of American immigration laws. And yet Facebook is doing it out in front of God and everybody. And if they tell you, oh, we don't have an algorithm for detecting that kind of thing, oh, come on. You can find all these other things and keep them off. You can keep conservative points of view off Facebook. You do that very effectively. But you can't keep the Mexican cartel coyotes off Facebook. That simply isn't believable. So should they be prosecuted? I would answer that one, yes. You can answer any way you like. At Lars Larson Show on X. Also on our website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Yesterday's question, should we forbid land purchases by citizens of countries that won't let Americans buy land? Now, so far, I have seen this story that we talked about yesterday about the Chinese national member of the Chinese Communist Party who bought 200,000 acres in Oregon 10 years ago. 
Now, purchases of land in America by foreign nationals are supposed to be recorded in a government registry. This one was not. 200,000 acres in the state of Oregon, mostly in eastern Oregon. I said, should foreign nationals be able to buy land in our country if we can't buy land in their country? 97% of you joined me in a yes vote on that. Only 3% of you voted no. And those are the, those are the, uh, the folks, the uh, naysayers that I'd love to talk to. Courtney writes in with what I thought was a great question of the day. Because it has to do with the current weather and the way that roads and freeways are managed in the Northwest. She said, Lars... I live in the gorge, and I'm curious about ODOT's preemptive closure of I-84. They want to close it before the weather gets bad. While I understand that people can't make the logical decision to stay off 84 in poor conditions and to help keep first responders safe, they want to close 84 to prevent people from making the poor choice of attempting to drive in poor weather. But does ODOT really have the power to say, we're pretty sure the storm is coming, we're pretty sure it's going to be bad, so we're going to close down early? For the last three years in a row, remember, she lives up the gorge, the snowmageddon they have predicted has not shown up when they said it would. But now they can prevent me from leaving town because they think it's going to get bad. Within the last couple of years, they've installed barriers on either side of Cascade Locks on the freeway on-ramps. I get a bit upset every time I see them because I believe that American freedom also have, it means you have the freedom to be as stupid as you want to be, but you have to accept the consequences. If you could help me understand either while I'm right or why I'm wrong, I'd gladly appreciate it. Stay safe and stay warm, signed Courtney. Courtney, I agree with you. I agree that there should be advisories to tell people, listen, this freeway could get really dicey, but in too many cases, we've all, if we live in the Northwest for more than 10 minutes, you understand. If you don't like the weather right now, wait five minutes. And when we hear predictions that things are going to be this bad, sometimes they're accurate and sometimes they're not. But in the case of state bureaucracies, kind of like during the pandemic, they always see their solutions as one size fits all, and they don't accept any kind of dissent from that. It's Tuesday, and it's the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live. And now. Then we're going to kill.
kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Tuesday. It's kind of snowy in the Pacific Northwest, and we're expecting a melt that could make it a little bit hazardous. But I want to talk politics. I want to talk with a young lady who knows politics well, and she does a fantastic job. Host of the Undivided Podcast, that's Brandy Cruz. Brandy, it's good to have you back. Lars, thanks for having me. Listen, i got to ask you about this because I don't think I've ever seen a time in American politics where one party says, we're pretty sure the other guy is going to win. And since we know already that we can't beat him even 10 months from now, uh, the only way to deal with him is just force him off the ballot and not let voters have the chance to even vote for him because we're sh pretty sure that he's going to get a majority of the votes, a majority of the electoral votes, and he's going to be the next president of the United States. But this is exactly the approach that's being tried, including in Washington state. Yeah, and look, I am nothing if not a constitutionalist. And so our Constitution does have a provision that if someone committed insurrection or was aiding and abetting an enemy, that they can't be president. I think that's appropriate. The problem here is Donald Trump's never been convicted of that. So are you going to have these Secretary of State or lawmakers in states across the country play judge, jury, and executioner and decide who they believe is fit as politicians? to be on the ballot for voters. That's just not right. And and if the other party was doing it, it wouldn't be right either. And so we're seeing this, you know, like you said, Colorado and Maine, these efforts to twist the 14th Amendment into, you know, a, a form that they deem appropriate. And you're seeing that in Washington State as well. But I would argue what we're seeing here is actually much more extreme. Okay, because and is that because they're now going to the legislature saying we want a state law that lets the majority take a name off the ballot, no matter who we want to take off the ballot. That's what they're asking for now? Yeah, so House Bill 2150, and as I've been talking about this on my show, I've told people, I know this sounds like a conspiracy, but just go read it. Go, because when you read it, 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 it does read like, like, like a conspiracy theorist wrote it, that this is what Democrats are going to do, but it's in black and white in their own words. So House Bill 2150, uh, it would, you know, it goes through the whole thing with the 14th Amendment and, hey, you know, if you've done this, then you can't be on the ballot in Washington State. But it has a second section that I think is far, far more serious. It's Section 3. So it says the legislature may adopt a resolution by majority vote in each the House of Representatives and the Senate that requests the Secretary of State issue a determination regarding a candidate's eligibility. But then it goes on to say that if the Secretary of State decides that a person is eligible, then the legislature can override them by a two-thirds vote in the House and the Senate. And so if they've got a supermajority in the House and the Senate, this bill, again, I'll give you the number, House Bill 2150, go read it for yourself, this bill would give a supermajority power to remove anyone from the ballot for any reason. There doesn't even have to be a finding of cause or anything like that. So you might be saying, well, supermajority is really hard to get to. That would require some level of bipartisanship. Not necessarily. The new chair of the Washington State Democratic Party a couple months ago sent out a tweet that said her goal for 2026 and the 2026 election cycle is to reach supermajorities in the House and the Senate because she wants to, quote, unquote, clean up the Constitution. That's what she said. But 
the truth is that that's not out of the realm of possibility. Democrats already control by comfortable margins the House and the Senate in Washington State. They have been solidifying that control for years, and they are working toward a supermajority. So you take into in consideration the comments from the chair of the state Democratic Party and this bill, House Bill 2150, and what it would allow for, and it is setting up a really, really troublesome scenario for the voters of Washington State. Now, let me ask you a detail. Is this only about the presidential race, or is this any candidate from a ballot in Washington State, including, say, governor, attorney general, or secretary of state? Yeah, it would include anyone. So that's why I say this is much more serious, and I'm surprised that it's not getting national attention. Because what happened in Colorado is bad, what happened in Maine is bad, but those are one-off decisions in Maine's case made by a Secretary of State who has animus toward the president. Still troubling, but this particular bill would be overarching. So, yeah, well, they had a Secretary of State candidate they wanted off or a um, Lieutenant Governor candidate they wanted off. They could oust them with a majority vote. So well, and, and that, vote. Means, that means that once you achieve that status... Uh, a, a, a two-thirds majority in both houses, not even the governorship, that you you could literally say, knock off any candidate who's likely to win from the Republican side of the aisle on every single statewide office. You could just knock them off the ballots, right? Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, I know that there are going to be people who say, well, that's hyperbole. You know, they're not going to do that. They're not just going to eliminate someone because they don't like, you know, the color of their shirt. Fine. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but you have to consider, as citizens and the type of government we expect, you have to consider what the worst intentions or the worst uses of a bill would be. You can't assume good intentions from any no. politician. No, like, in fact, oh, this bill says that, but they won't use it like that. Brandy, I, I remember uh, looking at a, I was I had a contract about 25 years ago with a TV station, and I took it to my lawyer and had him look at it, and he said, well, this says then in the right circumstances, they could just not pay you for a few months and you wouldn't be able to work anywhere else and you couldn't insist on getting a paycheck. And I said, yeah, they said that's in this boilerplate, but they'll never use it that way. He said, Lars, <laughs> if they're not going to use it that way, take it out of the contract. And if you leave it in the contract, assume it will be used like Chekhov's gun. You know, if you see the gun in the scene, the gun's going to get used by the end of Act Two. And so for them to say, oh, don't worry, we'd never do something as crazy as that, as desperate as they are to rem to remain in power today, that they're willing to knock Donald Trump off any way they can get him off the ballot, why would you believe if they'd apply it to a presidential candidate, they wouldn't apply it to a governor candidate, secretary of state, or anything else? And for, for any reason, and that, again, goes back to it doesn't have to be someone who committed insurrection or aided in the bed of the enemy. For any reason, there is no reason articulated. There's no proof of burden there. And so it, it's really scary stuff, and it goes back to, you know, you just have to think of these things and these powers in the hands of your worst enemy. And if it were full-on Republican control with, with a supermajority in Washington state, I would be just as scared about a bill like this in the hands of Republicans. And so we can't allow it to happen, and people need to break out of their their ideological silos and recognize that just because your party is in power right now does not mean that these types of policies are good in a democracy. No, and in fact, in Kitsap County today, I guess a, a judge just threw out one more attempt to remove Trump off the ballot. And I've had people say, but we think he committed insurrection. I said, fine, then accuse him of that and give him a trial. I said, and, and they said, well, we have accused him. We've accused him generically. I said, well... <laughs> The, the U.S. House of Representatives accused him of insurrection, and the Senate acquitted him. The Biden DOJ didn't accuse him of insurrection, and believe me, I think they, uh, Merrick Garland would have if he thought he could get away with it, and the special counsel hasn't done it, and the FBI hasn't done it. They've all said, 
We're not going to charge him with insurrection. Why? Because they don't think they can win. If Joe Biden's people thought they could win an insurrection charge, they'd have slapped it on Donald Trump a long time ago. So for them to say, well, we're going to have a kangaroo court. Uh, all the Democrats are going to vote on whether or not we think you're guilty of insurrection, and that will be your trial. Without, with It's like the Queen of Hearts. Verdict first, trial later on. Brandy Cruz can be found at the Undivided Podcast. Brandy's a great friend of the show. Thank you very much, Brandy. I'm glad to have you with me. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails, talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our poll on X. You can also find it on my website. And you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest are you with me on the phone today is david moore with equity advantage david for more than 15 years i've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges but how do you explain it to customers well lars 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point they allow people to exchange out of one property into another keeping their equity intact for example let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one you can sell the property pay the tax or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax is it complicated it can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Saying the things you wish you could say. More with Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. i got a question for you, though. Is the legacy news media planning to censor Donald Trump and his supporters all the way to the White House? I think we got a good indication of it during the Iowa caucuses last night and the decision to run the speeches of both, say, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and others. But then when Donald Trump began speaking, you actually had cable news anchors explaining, we're not going to carry what he says, because we know that he's going to tell lies. So already having the psychic ability to determine that a candidate will tell lies in a speech, they simply decide, you don't have a right as our audience to hear what he has to say. Let me get into the details of that in a moment. First, I want to go to Ron. Hey, Ron, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Well, that's very fascinating, Lars, because uh, within the last month, there's a guy by the name of Jason Fike that has been fighting the uh, fake news and their censorship Nazi program. And uh, guess what? A judge has ruled that it's unconstitutional. They did a 5.1 constitutional challenge, and it's amazing to me, something to do with the 230C1. You're familiar, familiar with that? It's, it's a Section 230 of the Communications Act, which gives yeah. protection to social media from being sued for civil suits, civil lawsuits based on defamation. Because understand it this way, Ron, just so people know what Section 230 is. 
if if you or I, even if you calling into my show, were to commit defamation, so you say something that you know is untrue, and you say it about somebody, whoever it happens to be, and you know that it's a factual statement, there's a difference between facts and opinion. Uh, if I say somebody is a convicted felon, that's a statement of fact. If I say he's a creepy dude, like I say all the time about uh, Joe Biden, that he's a creepy old man who pervs out on children and women and things like that, that's a statement of opinion. And and so if I make a false factual statement about somebody, and I know it's false when I say it, and I say it anyway, that's defamation. Now, I have to make sure that I don't say those things on the air or I can be sued. I have to make sure you don't say those things on my show or I can be sued for what you say. You say, well, then what about the social media? They got people saying nasty things about all kinds of people all day long, literally billions of times a day on Facebook and X, Twitter uh, and, and all these other social media. Well, they have this Section 230 that says because they agreed to act not as a publisher, I'm a publisher of this show, so I control what's on the show. As a platform, Facebook and Twitter and the rest have said we're just platforms. We put the messages out there. You can't let people sue us for putting out a defamatory message because there's no way to screen billions of posts per day. So they got this special protection that they got from the government in Section 230. And if Mr. Fike is suggesting they ought to lose their protection because they're not acting like platforms anymore, they're acting like publishers. And there's a gigantic difference between a platform and a publisher. That's the fight that seems to be going on. And and. So far, the social medias still have their Section 230 protection. If they ever lose it, basically, Meta or Facebook is out of business. And so is X or Twitter. They're out of business because they could not exist without that protection. Do you see why? Well, that's kind of uh, correct, but uh, you missed one big part of this. The What's judge that? says they have no blanket immunity. He made it very clear. Section 230C1 the way they're doing it, they're abusing 230C2. They're trying to intermesh it. And he says, he made it very clear in his ruling, uh, it's on the Internet right now, the judge made it very clear that uh, if you are, uh, that 230 is to protect you by not touching the content. They are touching right. the content and right. then trying to have it. And, he and, that, and that's, that's, and that's the argument. And so far, Ron, I haven't seen anybody who's been able to bring a successful lawsuit and in fact, if there was even the threat of lawsuit, all of the companies, well, if you're in the business like, like Meta is or X, Twitter, what used to be Twitter, you have to have insurance companies that protect you from liability. The minute those insurance companies suspect that you could be successfully sued because they say you allowed a picture of somebody to be published that was defamatory, the suits would be, there'd be literally hundreds of thousands if not millions of lawsuits and those companies would be told by the insurance carriers we're not going to cover you anymore and they would be effectively out of business like a lot of businesses would go out of business if they lost their insurance coverage so i don't that's his fight i don't know that he's necessarily won it yet it's still be there are still fights about section 230 before the u.s supreme court but i appreciate the heads up let's go to pinball hey pinball welcome to the lars larson show yeah, Lars, let me say, hey, how are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, sir. Um, thanks for asking. Happy New Year. Thanks for taking my call. Now, recently, uh, within the last week or so, Alabama put to death a convicted murderer. And Actually, I have no, idea no, the execution is planned for next week. 
Okay, and they're going to use a nitrogen mask? What yep. is that? How does it work? Where did it come from? I can tell you how it works. Do you know, you ever seen a CO2 fire extinguisher? Oh, yes. And do you know how they work? Yes. They put out a lot of CO2, carbon dioxide, and, and carbon dioxide doesn't burn. So if your kitchen catches fire and you flood the kitchen with carbon dioxide and it pushes the oxygen out and replaces it with a neutral gas, CO2, what happens to the fire? It goes out. It dies. It gets, it gets smothered. Now, what if there were a person in that room and you filled the room with carbon dioxide? What happens to the person in that room? They die. They die because they're smothered because they have no, they don't have enough oxygen. The oxygen is replaced with nitrogen and they would basically fall asleep, uh, because they would, they would lack oxygen and they go through, what is that? Hypoxia. You don't have enough oxygen is hypoxia and you, and you'd simply fall asleep. So that's, that's what they're seeking to do because people who don't like the death penalty, but they also don't like the fact that the majority of Americans, a huge majority of Americans support the death penalty. And that's every demographic group, every racial group, every political group, even black Americans by about 55%, who you might expect to oppose the death penalty, support it by about 55%. So they haven't been able to get the death penalty done away with through votes of the people. California, the death penalty was put to, put to a vote within the last six or seven years, and the population supported it. So they've tried to kill it in other ways. One is to go in and say, you can't use these pharmaceuticals to give the shot, the lethal injection, because of various reasons. They've scared a lot of pharma companies away from supplying the, the chemicals that would, that would put somebody to death. So states have been looking for other legal ways to put somebody to death. And this guy, Kenneth Eugene Smith, whose execution is scheduled, um, he survived a botched lethal injection execution about two years ago, and he's scheduled for execution next week in Alabama, and they plan to use nitrogen. And if they put nitrogen, you know, uh, in a mask on his face and he starts breathing it and it replaces the oxygen in his lungs, he, he runs out of oxygen and he goes to sleep. And that sounds pretty peaceful. It'd be like getting the bends when you scuba dive. No, bends is when you have expanding gas in your bloodstream and it causes horrible, painful uh, bubbles to form in your joints. It's different than that. This would be like if you were in your cabin and you had your wood stove going and it's putting out, you know, some exhaust, some CO into the room or CO2 in the room and there isn't enough oxygen and you fall asleep on the couch and the next morning your family finds you and you are gone. That's how they want to get rid of this guy. Sounds like he richly deserves to be put to death. Glad to be with you. 866. Hey, Lars. Pinball, thanks for the call. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. And always guessing what he'll say next. Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your calls. I wonder, is there evidence that not just Joe Biden and the Democrat Party getting a lot of help from the Chinese Communists, but is the Republican Party getting a certain amount of help from the Chinese Communist Party as well? I read this fascinating piece, and I thought, I've got to talk to Natalie Winters about it. Uh, Natalie, you might recognize as co-host of Steve Bannon's War Room and founder of She's so right. Natalie, welcome back. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. 
See, it's easy for me to believe that Democrats get their advice and their policy direction from the communists. But is it also involving Republicans and top-level people at the RNC who've been taking advice from Beijing? Yes, believe it or not, I think a lot of people are, are quick to call the RNC controlled opposition. I've always thought that that's a fair charge, primarily because they represent the more establishment wing of the Republican Party. But in this case, this story proves that there may be some collusion, believe it or not, with the Chinese Communist Party. I obtained documents showing that since 2013, several former RNC chairmen, Wilson, uh, Robert Duncan, and Ed Gillespie, uh, in addition to the RNC treasurer who held the position at the time he was meeting with these officials, um, but were participating in what's called the U.S.-China High-Level Political Party Leaders Dialogue. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but this isn't just some entity that, you know, happens in China or is loosely tied to the CCP. This is a project project of the International Department of the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party, with put on with the help of some other communist influence groups, uh, but the documents that I obtained show that these individuals have been flying overseas to China, participating in these events, and what they were discussing will quite literally blow your audience's, I think, minds, because they <laughs> were talking about, in a direct quote, campaign strategy. And in the case of the 2016 version of the event, they were giving the Chinese Communist Party sort of a, a pregame, a preemptive rundown of what they thought the Trump administration's position would be. There's a word for that. It's treason. And I think that that's a fair charge uh, with what these RNC officials were doing with the CCP. I mean, why, Natalie, you know, lately my big complaint about most news coverage is they, they got the who, what, when, where, and they leave out the why. Why would Republicans go to a dictatorship and say, can we learn something from you about political campaigns? Because I have a feeling political campaigns in a dictatorship are just a little bit different than political campaigns in a Republican form of government with elements of democracy like what we have. Natalie? Did I lose Natalie? I, I think, think can you, I can hear you now. Yeah, I can hear you I now. Go ahead. The Chinese, it was probably the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> they're they're uh, interrupting our feed. Your, your audio or, <laughs> or the RNC. Take your pick. Um, to, to answer your question where I think you were going with this, there is no logical explanation. There is no reason that Republicans should be meeting with the Chinese Communist Party if you think of the Republican Party as something that represents the America First MAGA movement. But honestly, when you say, you know, politicians or candidates are bought off, by the Chinese Communist Party, we do a disservice, I think, to what the Chinese Communist Party is conducting, which is, honestly, it is fifth-generation warfare, it is influence operations, it is unrestricted warfare. They are finding the Achilles heel of American society, of American politics, and they have billion-dollar, with a B, political warfare operations, uh, that they're running out of Beijing to target these people. You know, when we talk about Hunter Biden, don't miss the forest for the trees. They have the United Front Work Department which is a network of all of these various communist proxy groups, which are designed to make inroads. They prefer the strategy of infiltration as opposed to invasion. Um, it's subduing the enemy without, you know, having to fire a shot. And these are the tactics that they use. But the only way that this, that this approach to geopolitics works is if you have an American ruling class that is willing to partner with the Chinese Communist Party because they either, A, don't believe that America is worth defending and worth fighting for, or frankly, uh, they just want the cash, they want the honeypot, they want whatever the influence tactic is 
um, of the day. But, it, you know, it, it takes two to tango, and I think it really shows you why we need to have leaders uh, in power who we know empirically um, are not going to sell out to the Chinese Communist Party because, believe me, the CCP is ready, waiting, and very eager to compromise, to put anyone on their payroll, their spouses, their children, you name it, because they know that they can get a much higher ROI on their investment than going the you know traditional kinetic warfare invasion. And I think, honestly, when you see stories like this, it begs the question. People always ask me all the time if I can try and whatever invade the United States. I think you can say they don't even have to. Um, because they have so many of our so-called elites, our, our so-called ruling class, on their payroll. I'm talking to Natalie Winters, who's co-host with Steve Bannon in the War Room and also founder of She's So Right, at She's So Right. Uh, but, Natalie, I completely understand that the Chinese want to become the dominant force on planet Earth, military, diplomatic, financial, etc. they got a, a lot of financial problems. They make our financial problems uh, you know, pale by comparison. I understand why they want to control. What I wonder is, why would anybody who calls himself or herself a conservative, and I don't think Ed Gillespie is all that conservative, and my, I have my own thoughts on Ronna McDaniel, but why, why would they sign up to do this uh, and say, we're, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it in such a way there's not, I mean, you found this out, even though a lot of this is from 2017, but they must have known that at some point people are going to connect the dots and say, you were meeting with the Chai Comps. What in the world were you doing? And, and even if they were doing it because they said, well, the Chinese have a lot of money they want to spend, why would any Republican put themselves in that kind of position to say we're conspiring with the enemy? Well, putting myself in their shoes, if I could even, I guess, suspend disbelief on me collaborating with the CCP. But you, you know why they do it? And I think it is, as cliche as it sounds, it's because everybody's doing it. And on the topic of it coming out uh, through the mainstream media, the same organization, the China United States Exchange Foundation, that was co-sponsoring this event, also runs the same exact program for journalists. Um, from the Washington Post, from CNN, New York Times, the Harvard Business Review, the Associated Press. I could talk for 10 minutes about the different outlets that they've targeted. Um, but they really captured the, the ecosystem, the media uh, narratives here in the United States. So I would argue that it's not really going to come out from the mainstream press because they're in on it, too. I mean, honestly, I think, like you said, a lot of these, these Republicans that I named are more of the establishment ilk. Uh, they're looking around at their big business corporate type Republicans who've made their fortune by outsourcing and offshoring to China. They probably want to get in on the grift too. And if everyone's doing it, right, corruption is so normalized in DC, uh, at least when it comes to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, I think that, again, putting myself in their shoes, I think that's the, the logical calculus as to why uh, they go about doing it and they think they're part of a protected class because they're the, you know, RNC establishment. No one's going to come after them. And then they hide behind the term Republican. But in reality, there's nothing about them that is conservative um, at, at all. Meanwhile, you see the RNC refusing to back America first candidates who oftentimes are actually tough on the Chinese Communist Party. But I think when we call these these types of Republicans controlled opposition, it's a very, very fair charge, uh, not just because they're controlled opposition from the domestic front, but there's this international um, angle to it as well. And honestly, you know a lot of my reporting has to do with Chinese Communist Party infiltration, specifically how they get lobbyists on their payroll. More often than not, it's not the Democrats who are working for the Chinese Communist Party. It's establishment Republicans, because I think those types have no principles, have no backbone to begin with. Uh, so they're much easier to sell out and compromise, because that, at the end of the day, I really think they're motivated by, you know, profit and power. And that's really a match made in hell uh, when you pair up with the Chinese Communist Party.
So, Natalie, one quick last question while we got time. Is it still going on today? So because of COVID, they had to suspend these dialogues. Uh, I guess that's a, a, a funny, a funny fitting ending. Um, but the the groups that are involved in it, the international department of the CCP is still always making overtures to Americans, and the China United States Exchange Foundation is still sponsoring events. Fun fact: they just had their annual uh, commemorative celebration, and believe it or not, the person who gave their keynote address. Joe Biden's ambassador to China, Nick Burns. Wonderful. That is Natalie Winters. You can find her on The War Room and also founder of At she Shop She's So Right. Back in a moment, you've got the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. You know, if we keep meeting like this, people are going to talk. Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your calls. It's a Tuesday. I want to warn you that, uh, according to the weatherman, it's going to start melting here in the next couple of hours, probably some freezing rain. Temperatures are going to go up this evening, and then by tomorrow, it's going to be back into the mid-40s, which means all that snow and ice out there is going to melt, although it's not all going to melt at the same time, and it may not all melt very quickly, which may mean that the afternoon commute for many, many of the people in the Northwest is going to be more than a little bit difficult, and tomorrow morning's morning commute could still be difficult, because I don't think we're going to be lucky enough to see all this snow and ice melt overnight. Glad to have you with me. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers always go to the head of the line. If you want to send an email instead, talk at LarsLarson.com. And you can vote in our poll on X, formerly Twitter. You can find it at Lars Larson Show. Should Facebook face prosecution for running human trafficking ads for Mexican coyotes, uh, coyotes being the slang term for people who sneak people across our border. They're advertising on uh, Facebook from Guatemala saying three tries to get to the U.S. for $10,000. And apparently Richard Grinnell, who's the former director of national intelligence for the United States under Donald Trump, uh, he points out that Facebook knows those ads are there. 
uh, they can easily find them. I mean, if they can find child pornographers, they can find all, all kinds of other scurrilous activities. Could they at least identify human trafficking ads? Today's poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Our friend, Senator Don Benton, joins me now. Senator, welcome back. Hey, Lars. Thanks for having me back. It's a great so the day. What, the, it is a great day. and I, I loved what happened in Iowa. And it sounds like uh, Washington State, despite the fact that weather messed up some of the caucusing, uh, Donald Trump did very, very well, didn't he? We did very well. There are five counties that will caucus, uh, I believe, on February 3rd. Clark, Clark is one of them, so mark your calendar for that. It's important to turn out. If you're a Trump supporter, but the other, the rest of the state, especially King County, we're very, very pleased. You know, uh, King County has always been kind of a problem, but we had more than 68% of the delegates there committed. Uh, probably more now that uh, Vivek has endorsed Donald Trump, so we'll pick up those as well. But it looks like we swept the state with about 80% of delegates. So a very, very good day for Donald Trump in Washington State. And in Iowa, and I think that pretty much tells a story for the for what's going to happen in the future. I mean, fifty one percent in Iowa. His closest competition, Ron DeSantis, at twenty one percent, thirty points behind, and Nikki Haley behind him. Except the next contest is New Hampshire, and it sounds like Ron DeSantis is not going to do very much good at all. And Nikki Haley may run away with a bigger number even than she got in Iowa. Is that, has this now come down to two? I don't think so, because if you look at what happened in Iowa, there are a lot of Democrats that are scared to death of Donald Trump. They crossed over and voted for Nikki Haley, okay? And so that that was happening a lot because you could change your registration to Republican before you voted. And that's why you don't want to allow registration on the day of the election, because it allows for shenanigans like that. So a lot of those Haley votes were Democrats showing up to those caucuses. And that's exactly what's going to happen in New Hampshire. Uh, And so the numbers for Haley are kind of false numbers because they're really Biden folks that are coming in there to to mess things up is what's going on. Well, do you remember when Oregon used to have same-day election? You could literally walk in on election day and say, I want to register to vote and I want to vote. And that was back in the poll voting days, and it really screwed things up. Well, it's coming back. That's making a comeback. They don't want anybody to have to do any pre-planning at all. It's wherever you can get a busload of voters and show up with them, you know. Uh, that, that's not a good thing. Same-day registration is not a good thing. So, uh, But we are well on our way to a massive victory. I mean, we had a huge, never before in history has anyone attained 50% uh, in the Iowa primary. And that's pretty impressive, to be honest. And it tells tells me, and it should tell everybody else, that we need Donald Trump to fix these problems. A traditional candidate is not going to be able to do what we need done to, to fix our country. Our country is in very, very bad condition, and it needs to be fixed, and Donald Trump's the only one that can do it. I, w- I want to know what you think of the fact that the cable news outlets, two in particular, CNN and MSNBC, last night literally 
decided to openly tell their audience, we're not going to let you hear what Donald Trump had to say. We'll, we'll let you listen to Nikki Haley. We'll let you listen to Ron DeSantis. We're not going to carry Trump's speech because we have already predetermined that he's going to tell you lies. So therefore, we won't let you hear it. What, what do you think of that kind of behavior from the so-called news media? It's outrageous. I, what happened? I mean, the reason our founders gave freedom of the press was so that the people could be informed as to what their government was doing and to not allow people to even hear what the candidate that wins has to say is it, is it, it's just to me, it's totally mind boggling goes against anything this country stands for. It's the same as this challenge to the ballot here in Washington state or in any state, Maine or anywhere else. We talked about this last week briefly. That is, in America, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. In America, you're entitled to hear candidates speak. In America, and these are things that happen in other third world countries. But in this country now, under the Democrats, they won't let you hear them. Thanks, Donna. The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. So imagine how disappointed I'd be after a couple of decades of arguing that the green energy policies of Pacific Northwest politicians are completely idiotic. They don't add up. They don't make numerical sense. They don't make financial sense. They certainly don't make sense when it comes to generating the megawatts that it takes to run this region. And then along comes a snowstorm and proves my point a whole lot quicker and a whole lot more in an interesting fashion than I ever did. So I thought we'd get on Todd Myers, who's environmental director of the Washington Policy Center, to talk about what this most recent snowstorm, soon to be ice and freezing rain, is showing us about where we're headed energy-wise. Todd, welcome back. Thank you for having me on. And instead of a talk show, you should have, you should have had a weather control machine. You could have proved this a long time ago. If only I had weather control, I could have just said, throw a big snowstorm at these jokers and then tell her. <laughs> this is where 
it almost becomes darkly humorous because all the news media is telling stories of people who've been without power now from Saturday all the way to late Tuesday, and they may still be without power tomorrow. You say, how did you get by? Well, I turn on my natural gas fireplace, or I burn my wood-burning stove, uh, or it maybe even turn on a couple of, of the burners in, in your gas uh, 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 range in the kitchen, you know, for a little while to bring the temperature up. Not a good long-term policy, but it'll do that. And you say, aren't all those the devices that the government is trying to outlaw and tell us we won't be able to have in the next snowstorm or in years in the future? Uh, Why, well, yes, that is. You're to be completely dependent on electricity, like all the people in Chicago who have their Teslas lined up, frozen like bricks at the charging stations, because they don't charge very well when it gets really cold. It, it, this this just seems like it's proof positive that Inslee and Tina Kotek's policies for the state of Oregon and the state of Washington just make no sense at all. And I'll add one to that, which is heat pumps. So I live in the mountains, and we get told all the time that we need to replace natural gas with heat pumps. Now, I don't have a problem with heat pumps. They work uh, fine in many cases, but I have a heat pump, and when it got to 10 below, I can tell you that my heat pump was producing nothing. And so what did we rely on? We relied on a, a propane uh, fireplace, which generates heat. So you need to have these sort of backup. And the problem with one-size-fits-all approaches is that one size does not fit all. And this last weekend we saw that because what happens on the coldest days and the hottest days is that we get very still air. And so wind goes to basically nothing. If you check the Bonneville Power Administration right now, you can see that wind is almost zero. And it's very cold across the Pacific Northwest. So if you put your faith in more wind and heat pumps on weekends like this, you're going to have problems because there's not going to be a lot of wind power and the heat pumps are not going to be able to generate the heat. You know, it's funny because my next door neighbor, Bart, has a whole bunch of Tesla solar panels all over his roof. And I looked at him the other morning when it snowed and I thought, I'll bet they're not generating a whole lot with all that snow and not even a lot of snow, like a quarter of an inch. Unless, of course, you want to get up on your snowy roof with a broom or something and try to clean them off, which doesn't seem like the best idea in the world. Solar doesn't do much either, unless I guess you have somebody out there using something to blow all those panels off so they can still see whatever sun is available this time of the year. And then even when there is sun, right, sometimes it's cloudy, and then our days are very short. So it's just not going to produce a lot of electricity. Ultimately, you have to have a backbone of reliable energy. And so when we saw demand go up dramatically um, on Saturday across the Pacific Northwest, um, what filled that gap? Well, it was hydro, because hydro, you can turn it on and off. It's what's called dispatchable. Uh, natural gas is, too. And some people pointed to uh, the fact that a Puget Sound Energy natural gas distribution plant shut down on Saturday. But it was up again by the evening. And so you can see that there was a reduction in natural gas energy on Saturday. But by the end of Saturday, it was back. Wind was not. Wind is still at zero. So it's not that, you know, natural gas or other forms of energy don't have problems and don't go down from time to time. It is just that they are far more reliable than the alternatives that some people want to replace them with. Maybe we should tell the Democrats and the liberals and the progressives who want these crazy policies, we want diversity of energy. We just we don't want just solar and wind. We'd like to have nuclear and natural gas and coal and uh, and and all the rest because we want to have diversity and that there's strength in diversity. Isn't that usually an argument the liberals love? 
Yeah, and it should be here too. And add to that not just diversity of supply, but diversity of control. We need to give transparent price signals and more information to consumers so that they can make decisions about when they want to use electricity. Right now, when prices go up at peak hour, people don't realize that washing their clothes or dishes or drying their clothes is much better done later in the evening or earlier in the afternoon than right at the peak. And we need to give people information so that they can do that, not just to keep the grid stable, but also that they can save money. People don't have that information. So we need more control to the consumers and more diversity of energy sources. I, Todd, I just couldn't believe, though, that PSE was sending out these. I got their emails as well. I'm not on their system. But they were saying, cut back on your usage, cut back on natural gas, cut back on electricity. And I thought, where would we be if they'd already achieved their dream of tearing out all those Snake River dams? Because I know it's easy in the fall and the spring to say it's only 8%. It's not that big a deal. But if, if they're telling us we're already so tight that you're advising people, cut back your personal use, uh, and, and then you say, now, take 8% more out of the equation, and, and where are you at that point? Well, if you want evidence that tearing down Snake River dams as demand for electricity goes up and more people have EVs and, and heat pumps, this last weekend was about as perfect an argument as you can get. And what about this? Is there something to the – because I've, I've made the argument – that the reason that we don't have a really reliable grid uh, or a more reliable grid is that the utilities are being forced to spend their time, attention, and money on developing really expensive power like wind and solar when they ought to be making sure that they can actually get the power to the people who are using it. Is there an argument to be made that when you see a massive outage like the one that happened you know, in, in the Portland metro was 250,000 customers between PGE and, P, and PP&L that had no power, some of them still have no power today and are likely to have no power tomorrow, that they could be working on making that grid more solid and more reliable if they weren't spending all their time and attention on, on these alternatives that don't work as well. Yeah, I think that there, you know, when you are demanding utilities do many different things all at once, right? I think it's, it's hard for them to focus everywhere on transmission, on replacing fossil fuels with new intermittent reliable, unreliable sources, um, while keeping the grid going. Yes, I think all of those things make it more difficult to do that. There is no one single cause, um, but the more stress you put on it by making demands of utilities, to do things for political reasons rather than reliability, the more risk you put the system at. Todd, thank you very much for what you do at the Washington Policy Center. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. That is Todd Myers, the Environmental Director at Washington Policy. I want to get to your phone calls and emails in the next segment at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. If you're a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line. So if you disagree, feel free to call and you'll go first. And vote in our X poll. You'll find it on X at Lars Larson Show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. 
So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. On the line. He's the best investment in talk radio, and it's free. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a Tuesday in the Pacific Northwest. It's snowy outside, and I guess we've got freezing rain heading our direction. So if you're traveling this afternoon, this evening, or tomorrow morning, be very, very careful. Glad to have you with me on the Radio Northwest Network, and always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Let me go first to State Representative Virgil Osborne. Representative Osborne, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I just heard you talking yesterday a little bit about the uh, the uh, grid issue and, and getting rid of our natural gas and, and uh, some of the stuff that's going on. And it, it concerns me. I, I sit on the Environment and Energy Committee uh, in the uh, in the Capitol, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on, and, and I don't think people really realize how much it's going to affect their livelihoods. Uh, most people just don't pay attention to it, and I'm highly concerned about that. Well, I am too. I've got a, a, a proposed change because this seems like a ripe time to do it. Is is it the case that the state of Oregon in 2021 made it illegal to build new natural gas-fired electric generating plants or expand existing plants? Yeah, that's that's exactly the direction they're heading. And, and by 2035, uh, they're looking for 80%. I think by 2050, it's 100%. We're not going to have natural gas uh, or fossil fuel resources for generating power. Uh, now, how do you suppose it would go? I know you're in the minority in the legislature, but if you went to your committee, said, let's rescind that ban. At the very least, let's rescind the ban on expanding current natural gas generating plants to make sure this region has the power it needs. We just went through a crunch where we had utilities in both Oregon and Washington advising customers. We've got hundreds of thousands of people without power, mostly because of down limbs and trees. But we also have too much demand on the grid. Cut your use. Now, if you're telling Oregonians and Washington utilities are doing the same in Washington, um, that means we're not generating enough power. and We don't have the ability to get the power to the customers who need it. How about rescinding that, that ban on new natural gas generating plants and expanding existing ones? How do you suppose that would land with your Democrat colleagues? Well, I, Lars, I think it's been tried already, and they won't hear it. So, uh, it, you know, that's, you know how the, the bills go through and how, how laws are formed in the, in the Capitol has to go through the committee. The committee won't hear it. Uh, they, they, they literally will just say we won't even hear that because imagine telling the public we we just about ran short of energy in not the biggest storm the region's ever had, but a serious storm in the last few days. And you are going to tell the voters, you're going to tell the citizens you're not allowed to generate the power the region needs while you're telling them simultaneously electrify everything in your life, your furnace, your water heater, your car and everything else. 
it sounds like a great campaign issue to tell the public the Democrats won't hear this. We've asked them one more time. We've just seen the example of what happens when you don't have enough power and you don't have a solid grid, and they're refusing to make the energy you need. And you'll need it twice. You'll need it more so when you've got an electric car, an electric stove, an electric furnace, or a, a heat pump, and an electric water heater. I mean, these guys, these guys are, are are forcing us to commit societal suicide. Say you're going to be sitting in the dark, freezing your butt off, you know, because the Democrats said you have to. Well, the thing is, Lars, is I agree with you 100 percent, right? It, it's, a, it's a bad move, and trying to force change without the infrastructure to make it happen is just a, it's a horrible mistake. The problem is they're going to look at it from the opposite side. They're going to say, well, that's right. We need to improve our energy. We need to add solar, wind, uh, you know, all of the above to get to the point where we want to be. The problem, But the wind is, wasn't blowing during this cold snap. And solar? Oh, I know. How well do you think those solar panels are working coated with half an inch of snow? Well, they don't work very well, especially when the sun's not shining. Yep. So they have an answer for everything at large. And I tell you, if you watch my social media posts, I usually post all of my committee, uh, everything that I do. But, you know, their answer for, for uh, you know, is energy storage. That's what they want to do. Well, we'll, we'll put in battery storage, and that's going to get you through uh, in, when times are slow. The fact is that's billions of dollars and it's not very realistic to happen it's they a few hours of storage for billions of dollars and again that just i mean if everybody's happy that uh pge has doubled its rates since 2006 and just jacked them up there another 18 percent in january and say is that what you're telling people and when you add in battery storage or pump storage or whatever how much is that going to add to the bill and at what point do people say i've got electricity i just can't afford to use it well, we're getting we're going to get to that point, Lars. We're, we're going to come to a point where the environmental issues are going to are going to come to a loggerhead. With the fact is, it just doesn't work. And taking away our natural gas is a huge mistake. Uh, they've already tried. They tried in Eugene and it failed, of course. But the state's doing it. They're moving that direction. They already have mandates that are going to make it happen. So um, I, again, I go back to the fact that people just don't know what's going on because they don't follow what happens in the capital. People people usually don't get upset until. One day they wake up and it's like, oh, that's a problem for me. What they need to do is get involved now. People need to stay more involved. They need they need to start fighting this thing now. We've already got the mandates and the laws in place. The uh, I can't remember the House bill before I got there. I think it was House Bill 2021 um, that put in the date for when the energy has to switch over to green energy. And the things that don't count for green energy would amaze people, right? I mean, they would like to see your hydro go away as well. Well, uh, most of the hydro doesn't count as renewable energy anyway, doesn't it? Doesn't about 50% of it was already marked as we're not counting that as renewable because it happened before the mandates? Yeah, that's correct. They would like to see all that go away as well. Um, I, I just don't, you know, they want to take out every dam they can take out. Uh, you know, I, I just don't understand it. I think the problem is, Lars, and I said this, I said this before, you have 60 people in the House of Representatives, and, and none of us are experts at any one thing. The Democrats stick together on these issues, and if their issue, if they say they need to go completely renewables, then they're going to vote for it every time. It does, and it doesn't matter if it's good for the for the population in well, the state. It's good for it's good for their base. Representative Osborne, I don't want to be Debbie Downer on this, but but tell tell me this: when you say people have got to get involved, and you are involved, you're one of the members of the legislature, and you're already saying we can't change the course of this ship then how, how is getting other people involved going to do any better than one of the actual members of the legislature? 
So I'll just flat out say it, Lars. What we need to do is we need to change the makeup of the legislature. We need to have the majority in the House. And, and we're not horribly far away from it. We were only 4,500 votes away from tying it in 22. Uh, there are some folks that were elected in swing districts that barely got elected. They didn't win by much. And it's our, it's our turn to go back after it. What we need, and the only thing that's going to change the trajectory of this state is to change the one-party rule. At the very least, we need to put enough members in place that we have the ability to negotiate. Because when you're in the minority party, you can't negotiate common sense. The majority party is the bullies on the block, and they're going to do whatever they want. Yeah, guess what? I mean, in Washington State, we are just talking about House Bill 2150 that says when they get to a two-thirds majority in each house, they're allowed to remove anybody from the ballot, not just Donald Trump, but any Repu any uh, governor candidate, any state rep candidate, any secretary of state or attorney general, all of those candidates, the Democrats will have the power if they get House Bill 2150 passed in Washington State and they get a two-thirds majority. They can just take everybody they disagree with off the ballot. I mean, it becomes like communist China. Well, yeah, in our state, it's headed down the same path. Uh, you know, I saw the notice from Washington Energy that said that they're asking all of their customers to, you know, uh, be easy on the, their energy use because of their, they don't have enough energy. California already has rolling blackouts. They have the same issues. We're, we're just literally probably less than a few years away from having those same issues. I think you're right. And what you need is an energy slate of candidates saying we've all signed on to have solid energy for the Northwest. If you're not with that, you're not going to get the votes. You've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Just your volume. He's just that loud. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And if you stated simply, you say Joe Biden was elected in 2020, except I don't think he was. I think it was a fraudulent election. And the heart of that case is that in some battleground states, there were votes counted that were illegally cast. And right at the center of all that is the case, the now criminal case, RICO case, that was brought against Donald Trump uh, for alleged RICO activity, racketeering in Georgia, for which he's being prosecuted if the local prosecutor isn't too busy paying money to her boyfriend or the guy she's sleeping with. So you've got all of that. And then right at the center of all this is... No, no, no. All the votes were completely valid. It was the most secure election that America had ever seen. So we were told a something that I didn't actually believe at the time. And now we've got new reason to disbelieve it. And there's been some great work done by Mark Davis, who's president of Data Productions, working with voter data since 1986. He's been qualified as an expert witness on voter data analytics. And in fact, Mark found himself under attack from Georgia uh, because of what he said about the 2020 election. Mark, welcome to the program. How are you? Thanks for having me. Did I get any of that wrong, Mark? <clears throat> no, you didn't. So, were illegal um, votes cast in the in Georgia in the 2020 election? Yes, and people need to understand, it does not matter who people vote for. We, we have secret ballots in this country, so that's not knowable anyway. All the court cares is whether or not the ballot was lawful or not, whether it was irregular or not, and whether or not it was part of a systemic irregularity that, that happened in the election. 
Meaning that and, we all expect that there will be little flaws in every single election. But if you see a systemic irregularity where ballots are being counted that, that are not valid, cast by people illegally, and it's systemic, it, it goes throughout the system, then that becomes a problem, right? Right. And if I can just kind of recap everybody on the, the story here real fast, um, because of my background, after the 2020 election, I decided to do a statewide analysis on the issues that I normally look for in these much smaller cases that I take. And when I did, I was absolutely floored when I found that we had thousands of voters that had moved from one Georgia county to another but had failed to re-register by the deadline. There was about 110,000 of them. Now, most of those people did not attempt to cast unlawful ballots in the previous county because they were unqualified voters. They had lost their residency in their old county, and they were unregistered in their new county. And so they had put themselves in kind of a limbo land where they couldn't vote at all. But about 35,000, according to the data, went back and voted in their old counties. So there's two problems there. Number one, you know, President Trump is in the middle of all of his litigation. And number two, what about that U.S. Senate runoff coming? So we quickly switched gears and started challenging, um, getting voters to help file challenges in their counties against some of these folks to keep them from doing it again in the U.S. Senate runoff. And that is why Stacey Abrams and Mark Elias and Fairfight sued us. And I've been battling that for three years. And now that it's over and we were exonerated, thank goodness, um, now that that's done, I'm asking myself, what was it all for? We still have all this illegal voting going on. Our Secretary of State has been sitting on these issues for almost three years now. The last thing he wants to do is admit that President Trump was right on that phone call, but the reality is I gave the Trump attorneys a copy of this analysis weeks before that phone call ever took place. This is the he famous phone call for which Trump is being prosecuted because they say what he was at, that, that the allegation was that Donald Trump was calling Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, and saying to him, you go out and manufacture the votes, when in fact what he was saying to him was count the legal votes. And if there were illegal votes cast, exactly. count them, right? What, what President Trump was doing, he sometimes talks in shorthand and he thought he was on a private call. And he was speaking shorthand when he said, find me 11,779 votes. That's shorthand for, I understand that in Georgia, the margin is enough to call the victory into question here. We think there's more than that. Please go look for them. That's what he was really saying. To me, it's clear as day because I see it from a different perspective. You know, if you, if you go down in the transcript to where Kurt Hebert starts talking, that's my analysis they're talking about. I gave it to them so far in advance of that call, they even had time to have an auditor go through it. So it's without question to me, I know what he was talking about, but this narrative that's out there, Brad Raffensperger could have disabused the entire nation of that narrative long ago if he had just done the investigation that he promised to do. And he promised you that he'd do that investigation, and now... These folks brought charges against you and your firm and said you broke the law. What was the law they said you broke? Well, 
when we realized these issues were going on, we knew the Secretary of State's office couldn't do anything to fix it. We knew the State Election Board couldn't do anything to fix it. The only people in a position to do anything were the county boards of elections if they received a challenge. So when we challenged those voters, we almost immediately got sued by Fairfight, who claimed that we were committing voter intimidation under Section 11B of the Voting Rights Act. The thing is, there was there was nobody on True the Vote side or on our side that contacted even one voter. The voters that claimed to be intimidated by us couldn't point anybody out in the courtroom or name any name other than True the Vote. That's how literally absurd the entire premise of their case was. And the judge wound up ruling that he saw no evidence that we had violated um, 11B, that we had intimidated any voters. And here's but the back, crazy thing. Yeah. If you read the prohibited acts section of the Voting Rights Act, it does say you can't intimidate voters, and it should, of course. But right under that, it also says you can't lie about where you live if there's a federal race on the ballot. You can't lie about your residency. I can't make this up. Anybody can go look it up for themselves. It's but, in the same you know, piece of law DOJ, that prohibits voter intimidation. And, and you point out that on Georgia's own website, something that's been taken down now, but it used to say this on the residency laws, if you move outside the county in which you're registered to vote more than 30 days prior to an election, you've lost your eligibility to vote in that county. You must register to vote in your new county. You'll be assigned a new voting precinct. Remember, if you don't register to vote by the deadline, you can't vote. And yet you found 35,000 voter records that indicated people voted illegally, and the margin was less than 12,000 in the state of Georgia, correct? Well, get this, over 12,000, well over 12,000, came back after the election and finally updated their own driver's licenses and or voter registrations, the tour linked by Motor Voter. They updated to the exact same addresses that they told the post office they were moving to well before the election. So these people basically provided cooperating evidence proving that they did file an NCOA. They did file it to this address. They did say it was a permanent move. They did say they were going to be moving their effective on such and such a date. And that date was well before the election. So, I mean, how you can argue with such hard, cold evidence sitting there on the table, I don't know. And, see, they couldn't. That's why I think they decided to bend the law. They couldn't bend the evidence. They couldn't spin the evidence very well. That wouldn't work. And they've already admitted this is a problem on multiple occasions. So now... They're just spinning the law. They're claiming the law doesn't say what it says. Unbelievable. That's Mark Davis. You can read the whole story. He wrote it up for the Federalist, but Mark Davis is president of Data Productions, Inc. you got to take a look at this. 35,000 illegal votes in the state of Georgia in an election called for Joe Biden on the basis of less than 12,000 votes. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? 
Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. When he talks, you have no choice but to listen. More with Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Ironically enough, during this weather situation in the Pacific Northwest, this segment is brought to you by the home power generating folks at ProTech Power. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out. Call 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541-ONA-GEN. I'm willing to bet that there are an awful lot of people in both Oregon and Washington whose power has been out for days now who wish they had a backup generator. Today's poll on X, should Facebook face prosecution for running human trafficking ads for Mexican coyotes? And I'd throw Mark Zuckerberg into that mess as well. Uh, you can find the question on X at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let's go to the phones now. And Ron, hey, Ron, thanks for listening on the radio. Northwest Network. What's on your mind? I'm going to give you three points. We took out the dams, uh, the Boardman Dam. Boardman Power was 2,000 megs in 2021. You're talking about the coal plant? The coal plant? Coal plant, yeah, coal yeah. plant there. You had 10,000 megs in Centralia. Okay? Go backwards and after 2010, they took out the Savage Rapids Dam, which they didn't give me no report on what did the salmon come back. And yet, they're going after all our resources. And the last point I will make, right now, with Pacific Power, I pay 12.04 cents a kilowatt hour. It's going to go up 18%, so 15 cents a kilowatt hour. My adoptive father in Tulare County, under Edison, 43.4 cents a kilowatt hour. If he uses the honey house, it jumps up to 83.4 cents a kilowatt hour. And if he uses over 1,000 kilowatts, where I don't have a limit on my kilowatts in Oregon, Yep. That has an additional $0.22 cents on all the power use. So that's over a buck fifteen a kilowatt hour. Try $1,300 a month to almost $2,200 a month for the honey house during the summertime. You can't extract honey when the sun sets, when it's dry. You've got to heat the honey up to extract it. So overall, they are California. They want to Californianize us. They want to use our power source. When they take out, they already taken out, they're starting to take out the dam in Northern California on the Southern Kalaman Basin as yep. of this first, first of the year. And you take those out, you lost another 400, 500 megs to 1,000 megs of power. And wind and solar, uh, excuse me, 140 days of clear sunshine in the valley. If it's overcast, your efficiency is less. And then wind, <laughs> I've gone through the gorge, Pendleton, in November. 
late October, excuse me, for a state meeting. Uh, the point is, half of them didn't turn, just like I've seen yep. on the 580 and the Frisco, and, and or even when you talk to, of India. When you talk to meteorologists like Chuck Weiss and others, and you say, in general, when it gets cold, what does the wind do? And they say it drops down. In some cases, it drops down to almost nothing. Uh, and you say, why is that? Well, temperature difference, pressures, a whole bunch of reasons. But all of this, while they're telling people in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, we want you to electrify everything, electrify your car, electrify your house, your heating, your water heating, and everything else, and add a whole bunch more demand while the supply is going away. Let's go to uh, Armin, who's calling in from Maori Island, which is interesting. The politically correct people haven't got after that name yet, although they probably will. Hey, Armin, what's on your mind? Hi, Lars. Yeah, we've talked about it. It's pronounced Maury Island. Oh, Maury Island. That, you're right. Thank you for the correction. People down at Maury. Anyway, following up on your conversation with uh, Todd Myers, uh, I wonder how is the state, Washington State legislate, Legislature's building and Jay Inslee's home, the governor's mansion on the grounds there, how are they heated? I don't think I'm they're willing to bet it's natural solar. gas. I couldn't say yeah. for, for sure, but I'm willing yeah. to bet it's not solar, it's not wind. It's probably natural gas. Wouldn't you yeah, think? Yeah, and here, yeah, here on Vashon Maury Island, the greenies that are promoting everybody getting uh, heat pumps and so on. I've looked up where they live, and according to the assessor's page for their heating systems, almost every one of them heats with natural gas. So you know, do as I say, not as I do. That yep. that was my comment. Can you, I change the subject real quickly please, to please landlords? Please do. We've got a little bit of time. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, for landlords out there. There are two bills in the Washington State Senate now further demonizing landlords and getting into their business, rent control on steroids, that sort of thing. One is SB, Senate Bill 5961, which would uh, restrict annual rent increases to, to 5%. Yeah. Uh, and not 5% plus inflation or the greater of the two or whatever, just 5%. So we, we don't get... 180 days notice like you have to give for rent increases when you get your property tax bill or your insurance premium bill increase and so on. Um, well, you get where I'm going on that. The other one is... Uh, and and by the way, Maury or, or Armin, uh, yeah. people, I, I was, I owned a little duplex decades ago. What, if you ask people who rent right now, you say, well, if costs go up 8%, but the landlord is only allowed to raise the rent 5%, what do you suppose happens? And I think a lot of them would be clueless. They'd say, I don't know. Well, the landlord just goes to the closet where he stores the $100 bills and shovels out enough to pay the, pay the, the difference. No, they don't. You know, so what happens to housing when you say we can have 8% increases in costs, you know, repairs, maintenance, this, that, and the other thing, but you only get 5% more in rent. They're going to have to find it somewhere else. And where it's going to come from is is they will have to cut back on maintenance. They'll cut back on other things. And rental housing will get worse. I mean, that's the only way that equation ends if the Washington State Legislature is foolish enough to put that kind of limit on. If you want more of something, allow the marketplace to work. If you want less housing, put those kind of caps on, and you will get less housing. Armin, thanks for the call from Maury Island. Back in a moment, back in a moment you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? 
Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.